Are you guys feeling good today? Who is excited that Christmas is less than two weeks away? Yes. Is everybody else just nervous? Yeah. There's just like a nervous atmosphere in the room. Well, I want to know, raise your hand for me if you actually love keeping up to date with the royal family. Just a few people. Okay. Raise your hand for me if when you were younger, did you ever pretend to be a prince or a princess? Mm Mm-hmm. Are any girls in this room convinced that one day you were just going to casually meet a prince and he was going to fall in love with you and you were going to become royalty? Yeah, see? Okay, we've got a few. We've got a few. That's awesome. We love talking about the royal family. In fact, you get primetime TV anytime the royal family is going to make an announcement, right? People get so excited. There's documentaries about them. There's TV shows that now have some controversy like The Crown because a New Zealand scene was filmed in Australia. Ooh, that's not good. Anyways, um, so there's, there's all these things going on about royalty because we're so obsessed with this idea of castles and princesses, kings and queens, and we love talking about it. But there's a different type of royalty that I want to talk about today. It's the royalty that we read about in biblical times. Because, yes, there were kings, but there was a new king that came onto the scene on the very first Christmas. And that's what we're going to focus on today in the book of Matthew. Say, Matthew, chapter 2. Yeah, you guys ready? See, thank you. Elizabeth went with my chapter 2. Nobody else gave me the hand motion. She's got me. But if you've got your Bible, you can turn there now. That's where we're going to center our story today. This is part two of our series called There is a King. And Adrian kicked us off last week. He's our online campus pastor. He kicked us off last week with a brilliant message on the gifts that we can bring. But today, I want to talk about reactions to new royalty. That's the title of my message, Reactions to New Royalty. If you want the notes for this message, you can find them on our Elam Christian Center app under the Papakura campus. Um, But we're going to talk about some reactions because in Matthew chapter 2, we actually see a few different reactions to this new king who's arrived on the scene. And our reaction to this king actually shows the condition of our heart as it does with the people that are mentioned in this story. How we react to this royalty changes everything. Because the reason for this whole season is Jesus. Jesus is why we celebrate Christmas. But I know in the world's view, it's often about Christmas trees and presents or gingerbread houses and carols or Santa Claus and reindeer or a lot of fake snow here because we don't have the real stuff here in Auckland. But I love that you guys still celebrate with snow because it makes me feel like I'm kind of at home, but not really because it's still hot outside. But we celebrate all of that, but the real reason is Jesus. And so I want to take us back to that very first Christmas, the moment when Jesus was born. So read with me on the screen or in your Bible, but I'm in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. But King Herod was deeply disturbed. Say disturbed. And when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Everybody was a little bit disturbed. He called a meeting of all the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and he asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they said immediately, well, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. 
So he got this information from the priest, and then he calls this private meeting with the wise men who just showed up looking for this baby. And he wants to learn from them the exact moment that they first saw this star appear. Because if this was the moment when Christ was born, they wanted to know how old was this new king. And then he tells them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me because I want to worship him too. Lies. After this interview, the wise men go on their way and the star that they had seen in the east guides them to Bethlehem. I love this. The star went ahead of them and then stopped over the place where the child was. Wouldn't that be so incredible to see just this star slowly guiding this pack of wise men until it stops over the place where the child was? They saw the star and they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down to worship him. Then they opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod because he was lying. He didn't want to worship him. Herod, verse 16, was furious when he realized these wise men had outwitted him. I mean, it's kind of in their name. They're wise men. Um, He sent soldiers to kill all of the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. What a story. But have you ever heard some news in life that was pretty bold and it wasn't what you were expecting? Or maybe it wasn't what you were wanting, news that you weren't ready to fully hear. Because in this moment, these these people hear the greatest news that has ever come to this world. And there were a few different responses. There were a few responses that people weren't expecting to the birth of this new king. In the words of Charles Spurgeon, he said, A stir begins as soon as Christ is born. He has not spoken a word. He has not wrought a miracle. He has not proclaimed a single doctrine. But when Jesus was born at the very first, while as yet you hear nothing but infant cries and can see nothing but infant weakness, still his influence upon the world is manifest. When Jesus was born, there came wise men from the east and so on. There is infinite power even in an infant savior. You see, there was no grand announcement about this king coming. Nowadays, if there's an important person walking into the room, there's a big announcement, right? People make a big to-do about it. If somebody shows up in a limo with a red carpet, there's paparazzi everywhere. You know, in the States, we actually go, like, hard out for everything. Y'all know we're a bit OTT, over the top uh, in America. But at our sports games... There's crazy announcements. Every player for certain things like basketball or baseball, they get their own theme song as they walk out onto the court. And so they get to pick their theme song and then walk out like they're the man. And they come out. And there was no moment, though, where all of a sudden a booming voice comes from heaven is like, entering Jesus Christ. Like this was not happening. There was no mic coming down from heaven to say, okay, in the court of the good guys, we got JC. Like there was nothing going on like that. There was no red car moment. In fact, the words that we just sang in that song said that he came from this glorious throne in heaven to a cradle in the dirt. That was the most humble entrance for this king. But God did highlight him to some people. He put this bright, shining star in the sky that caught the eye of some magi. And magi 
were men who were astronomers. These astronomers were so captivated by this star that they saw in the east that they didn't just admire it from afar. They didn't just look at it in their telescope and write it down. They said, we've got to go follow that star because that star is significant. That star is his star. See, they recognized from the moment they saw it that this was the star for the king of the Jews. And so they were compelled to move. They were compelled to go find this king and worship him. And so they were guided by this astronomical phenomenon. And they went to Jerusalem hoping to get some answers. They thought if they could go to the capital city of the Jews, that the Jews would be really excited that the king of the Jews had just been born. They thought that they were going to arrive there and get some positive reactions, that people would be just as excited as they were. But that's not what happened. See, they arrived in Jerusalem. And their first interaction we see with King Herod in verse 3. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Why was the whole city so disturbed? Why were they so upset or unsettled about this decision? Or not this decision, this moment in time. Well, there's two different theories that scholars suggest. See, the first is that people were nervous what this news might cause their paranoid, selfish, jealous king to do. See, King Herod was called Herod the Great, not because he was so kind, but because he reigned with with an iron fist. He was mighty, and he was powerful, and he would kill anybody that got in his path. This is the king that killed his own wife and sons if they disagreed with him. And so people were probably a bit nervous if there was this announcement about a new rival king. They were like, oh, no, what's our current king going to do? Is he going to burst out in this vengeful rage? And so maybe the city was nervous and disturbed because they weren't sure how their king would react. The second theory is that the disturbed nature of the city could have been due to the size and the dignity of this caravan that just arrived from the east. Now, I know in our cute little nativity sets we have, there are three wise men, but That doesn't actually, that's not mentioned in the story. It just says wise men from the east. I think through our storytelling, through over generations and generations, we've just started to assume there's three wise men because there are three gifts. And we think, well, each one brings a gift. But actually, that could have been a much larger group. Perhaps the size and the dignity of this caravan that arrived caused the city to go, ooh, something's about to go down. Like imagine if you just saw like 10 limos rock up on Great South Road and there were all these impressive people and everybody would be like, what's happening, Papakura? Like, you know, we'd be so excited or nervous about what's going on. And so perhaps it was the size and the dignity of this caravan. But what we first see in this first reaction is opposition. A disturbed king led to a disturbed city. He claimed he wanted to know the location so that he too could go and worship. But y'all, he had no intention of worshiping this child. He had every intention of finding this child and killing him before he could even speak a word. Our king will face opposition. And to this day, when you say the name Jesus, you're either met with hostility and aversion or love and adoration. Our world to this day still experiences this division that happened from this moment of birth. See, before he even began to reign as king, before even people knew fully who he was, he already had an authority. He already had infinite power as an infant savior, so much so that friends were bringing him gifts from far off lands and people were also trying to plan his death. 
King Herod was ready to reject his authority before he could even speak. He was ready to reject this new rival king out of this deep-rooted jealousy, out of this deep-rooted fear that he would lose control of his kingdom, that people might start to bow down to somebody other than him. See, a lot of people like to reject God out of fear and insecurity, fear of losing control in their own life, and insecurity of how their life might change if they were to truly submit to this heavenly king. You know, the people who bring the greatest opposition against God and Christians are the people who find it easier to reject God at the very first sound of his name rather than taking a moment to get to know him. It's easier to just say, no, that's not for me. I reject that versus asking questions about who God truly is. See, King Herod did not want to know God. He wanted to be like a God himself. He didn't want to go and worship a new rival king. He wanted to be worshiped himself. It's easy to reject God when you don't take the time to know him. It's easy to reject God, this new king, when you're overwhelmed with fear and insecurity of how this might transform your life if you were to truly get to know this king. So after King Herod has this reaction, we see another one right after this because he goes to the teachers of Old Testament scriptures. And in verse 4, he finds all these leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and he says, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? You know, I'm just curious, just want to know. And immediately they say, well, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. These religious teachers immediately responded. They didn't say, just wait here, we'll go consult our text. No, they immediately knew it like the back of their hand. They knew scriptures word for word. They knew where to point to find this new king. Where's the Messiah? Oh, over there in Bethlehem and Judea. That's where he's supposed to be born. That's what we've known our entire life. That's what's in the scriptures. They were really good at pointing the way. They had this head knowledge of God. But when they heard the news, they were not compelled to move. They weren't moved to respond. See, the Magi, these wise men, they thought in coming to the leaders of Jerusalem, the capital city for the Jews, they thought they might find people that were as compelled as they were, that that this was the prophesied Messiah that everyone was expecting, but instead they found this fearful opposition in King Herod and then complete indifference in the teachers. See, our king will face indifference. You know, these experts of scripture, they had all the right information in the book that they had devoted their lives to, but they just seemed personally uninterested in actually meeting this king for themselves. They had no desire to move. Charles Spurgeon said, it's a sad thing when a preacher is like a signpost pointing the way, but never actually following it on his own account. Such were those chief priests at Jerusalem. They could tell where Christ was born, but they never went to worship him. They were indifferent altogether to him and his birth. You could just replace the word preacher with any Christian. It's a sad thing when any Christian is just like a signpost but never following it out of complete indifference. In fact, there's a lot of people in the world today that will openly attest to believing that God is real. And if you ask them, oh, I'm looking for a church, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I've heard there's a good church over there. I've heard that one's good. I heard there's an amazing church on level 4 of 28 East Street, but they've never actually come themselves. It's this indifferent attitude towards it to say, oh, maybe other people need church and other people need to worship God, but I'm good. I'm good. Like, yeah, God's real, but I don't need to worship him. See, there's this indifference attitude. These people have a head knowledge of God, but choose to neglect the good news that they've been awaiting. 
they chose to neglect this opportunity to go and worship him for themselves. A lot of people don't necessarily reject God. In fact, like I said, they'll openly attest to believing that God is real. A lot of people will say that. A lot of people will admit, yeah, there's something bigger than me, but they neglect the search for truth. They, they neglect this truth of this king instead of embracing him. It's easier to neglect the teachings of Christianity when it doesn't line up with what you wanted it to be. See, and, and maybe that's what happened with these, these teachers is they're like, no, that's not our Messiah. Our Messiah is supposed to be a ruler, not some baby in a cradle in the dirt. That's not our Messiah. See, it's easy to neglect the, the teachings of Christianity when it doesn't look the way that you thought it should. In fact, I heard this, this really good quote. It said, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself because it's easy to neglect the God that will challenge you and your way of thinking and your way of living. It's easy to neglect his love and his grace when, when you're not ready to fully submit to his plans. It's so easy to be a King Herod in this story and to just reject God outright at the sound of his name. It's easy to be a chief priest in this story and just point to where the truth is, but not actually go find the truth yourself. It's easy to play those two roles, but it is so much more life-altering if you choose to be a wise man in this story. See the star of Christ and be compelled to move, to see that there is good news and say, I got to have some of that. I need to know who this God is. See, our king deserves our worship. Our king deserves our worship. The keys can join me now. But those who intentionally look for Jesus, they'll find him. God actually promises that in his word. He says, if you look for me wholeheartedly with your whole heart, you will find me. But a lot of people don't like to look for God with their whole heart because they're nervous that they actually will find him. <laughs> but if you find him and then you truly see him, you will be compelled to worship him. It just naturally happens when you find God and you actually learn his true character and his true purpose and his plan for you. You're just compelled to worship him and to offer your life to him. In verse 9, when it starts to talk about these wise men going on this journey, it says when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They were filled with joy, and they entered into this house, saw the child, knew exactly who he was. And these grown men that were foreign, impressive dignitaries fell to their knees and worshipped. They fell to their knees and worshipped this child that they knew was the Son of God. See, they didn't just have this head knowledge about the coming Messiah. They had a heart knowledge about the Messiah who would come. They didn't just know the scriptures and, and point to the different prophecies. They actually had this divine revelation through this astronomical phenomenon and then were compelled to move and to find him. And when you find him, you'll realize that our king actually does deserve our worship. Our king deserves our offering. These wise men, they had to go on a long journey. The moment they saw the star, they knew it was his star, but then they had to go on this journey from the east. We don't know how far east to reach Jerusalem and then to go find him. And that's why King Herod wanted to kill all the boys two and under just to make sure that any child born in that area might be killed. See, they went on a long journey to find this king. But when we choose to know God 
it doesn't matter how long the journey is. It doesn't matter some of the sidetracked paths you might take along the way. It doesn't matter who might discourage your excitement. It doesn't matter who in your sphere of influence might reject God at the sound of his name or who might just neglect the good news and say that doesn't fit in with me. It doesn't matter what's going on with them. If you choose to know God, you will find this joy that the wise men found the moment they saw the star. That's why for some people when you come into a place like this, Sometimes people get overwhelmed in worship and they're like, why am I crying? Like that happened to me the first time I I came to Elam and I just didn't realize how much I was looking for God and I had found him and God had led me there to that place where I could know him. And so sometimes people find themselves just crying in worship because the Holy Spirit is moving in their hearts. And when you find him, all of a sudden you realize that I can't do anything but just pay homage to him out of this deep respect and this adoration for who God is because he's almighty and he is all powerful, but he is also so loving and so gracious. Jesus is king. Some tried to kill him. Some tried to silence him, but God always had a plan when he sent his son to this world to pay the price we all deserve to pay. When he hung on that cross with you in mind, knowing that if he did that, you could be reunited with the Father. Jesus was the one who came to offer himself to the poor and lowly, but also the high and mighty. He had dinner with the famous and dinner with the forgotten. He was the one who came to heal the sick and had time for everyone. He raised the dead and he cast out demons so that people could find freedom. This is the King who came to serve. It's a King who came to know his people and to allow his people to know him, to allow his people to walk with him. This is the King that Christmas is all about. This is the King that we worship today. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is this new royalty. And here's the thing, one of the gifts that God has given you from the very beginning of time is the gift of free will, which means God will never, never make you worship him because then it's not out of love, it's out of obligation. But he gave us free will so that we could choose him, so that we could actually find him in his character and know that he is unchanging and so faithful and so good. And then we're overwhelmed with this deep respect and adoration where we find ourselves worshiping him and choosing him. And you get to choose your reaction to this new royalty. You could hear this good news and this whole message and you could just reject it like some have. You could hear the good news and you could just neglect it. Or you could hear this good news and you could actually embrace it and let this be your shining star moment where you are led to the Father and led to worship at the king's feet. Your reaction is your choice. God will never make you worship him. But if you love God, you will find that your life just becomes this offering and this worship. You see the wise men when they came, yes, they had gifts and oftentimes we focus on that. We say there's gold and frankincense and myrrh, but they also offered themselves when they knelt before this king and they worshiped. And so I'm gonna close in prayer. But as I do, I'm gonna give some people an opportunity to know Jesus. 
Because like I said, this could be your shining star moment. This might be the first time you've ever heard this good news. And my friend, you are not here by an accident. You're actually here because God somehow through a turn of events led you here just like he led the wise men to Bethlehem. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you wanna start this journey with Jesus and say yes to him, then I just want you to pray this in your heart and mean it with everything you've got. 